Welcome to The Deep Dive, a weekly podcast that takes a deeper look into the happenings at the Walrus. I'm Sheena Rossiter. And I'm Angela Misery. On this week's episode... I feel that I'm courageous in my work, but I'm a free thinker, and I think free thinkers don't give allegiance to anyone or anything. This week, we dive into the world of fiction, and we're in conversation with acclaimed writer Rowi Hodge. Born in Beirut, he lived in Lebanon through the Civil War of the 1970s and then immigrated to Canada in 1992. His work has been translated into more than 30 languages. You might also know him for his acclaimed novels such as De Niro's Game, Cockroach, and Beirut Hellfire Society. Roby most recently released a collection of short stories called Stray Dogs, and we ran an excerpt from the story The Wave from his collection in the May issue of The Walrus. He recently sat down with Jessica Johnson, the editor-in-chief at The Walrus, where he spoke about his latest book, being a political writer, and identity. Now let's listen in on Jessica Johnson's conversation with Rowie Hodge. You're most known for novels and stray dogs out this past spring is, I think, your first short story collection. What led you to go a bit shorter? Actually, I started writing short story. My first attempt at writing was short stories. And during confinement, I decided to maybe complete a book of short stories. So I sat down and started writing. But I realized there's a thread in all the stories. There's a lot of references to photography or light, darkness and light, you know, it's symbolic, literally forms. So it was a conscious decision to write a book about photography. The narrators do have a common feeling. I was reminded of the work, but I was reminded of like a couple things, a bit of Kafka and a bit of Haruki Murakami. Are the narrators sort of a stand-in for you, or do you see them all as like different people, different places, but similar circumstances? Well, I think I tend to write a lot about marginal people, and I and I realize that also, you know, certain period of time in photography, uh, because of technical changes, uh, technical advancements. Many people were photographers who couldn't adapt. They either changed profession or it became on the margins. And also, I think I believe when I went to school, I witnessed a change in academia, in the discourse about photography. Photography had a, had a major intellectual and academic change. And then that again, I think it put some people uh, on the margins again. I, I guess I'm, I was one of them. I couldn't adapt to the new technologies. I didn't, it was very expensive. And when I went to school, I became, you know, stuck between two movements, the end of modernism and the beginning of postmodernism, postcolonialism. So I witnessed these changes and I, um, I mean, I tend to write about, uh, usually about people who, to put it uh, in a very uh, simple way, people fall between the cracks, you know. You've always stood out to me as a writer in Canada who engages actively with world affairs. And in this collection in particular, that's very literal. Stories are set in political hot zones, Poland, Lebanon, Baghdad. 
do you deliberately set out to say, okay, I'm going to write a story about civil war, or is it that you have a creative goal and then you realize that it's tied to some world event? Oh, well, good question. Um, I think globally, I never thought in a local way. I, I think probably I'm a transnational writer somehow. More and more I see things are much more interconnected. But at this this book, I think it has a cosmopolitan feel because, because of photography, the medium. The medium is so universal. At the same time, it's so versatile and so adaptable to many cultures. Uh, I think every culture imposed its own aesthetics, its own agenda on it. It's a very rich medium with a very rich history. And I think it's one of those things that was used and abused. I mean, if I looked at the spectrum, goes from wedding photography all the way to surveillance. So it's a rich medium to write about. People who know you know that you were a photographer before you went into writing, but not everyone may know that. Can you talk a bit about how you made that transition? Because they're in some ways related art forms, but in other ways completely different. Yeah, I think for a long time, the intersection between photography and the written word was very constrained. I, when I left uh, Lebanon, I ended up in New York for a few years. I worked as, uh, my first job was to clean the darkroom. Then slowly I start printing and the first time I I saw f- photographs, image surface in the, in the liquid in the developer, I was uh, I was blown away and I, and I decided to become a photographer. Then I moved here and I studied, I studied commercial photography. Then I, then I went to uh, Concordia, I did a, bachelor degree in photography but I think at at a certain level as much as I love photography I thought it's a medium that has its limitation and I fundamentally I think I wanted to tell the story of a war that I experienced and somehow photography always fell short I think I wanted to be more lyrical about it I wanted to you know more longer narrative and I start writing short stories. We'll be right back. I'm Heather O'Neill and I'm a fiction writer and essayist. My latest for The Walrus examines eating in films directed by women. I look at what feasting means metaphorically to women auteurs and how it differs from those of male directors and what it means for a woman to overeat. Fiction has always had a home at The Walrus and you can support their work and mine by subscribing to The Walrus at thewalrus.ca slash subscribe. You live in Montreal, but I know that you travel a good part of the time. I've always always wanted to ask a writer this. Do you find it easier to write about places when you're not there? I do, personally. Yeah, I like to distance myself. I tried to go to Beirut a couple of times to write over there. It, it didn't work. Because it's too immediate? Probably because it's too immediate. The books I wrote about Montreal, because I do write about Montreal, I, I was elsewhere. So 
Yeah, this distance is, it creates a distant world and that place that you want to write about becomes almost unattainable, a bit like a dream. So for writers who are not very realistic in that world, that distance helps. Do you find that your readers, do they agree with your political opinions? Do they want to argue with, with you about it? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, when I wrote about Lebanon, it's such a divided place uh, based on religion, or politics, etc. People engage me. But uh, people like binaries when it comes to politics. They want you to take a definite side. And I don't compromise, but I, I, see, I see things more nuanced. Again, I'm not being diplomatic here. It's not my work. Is not. I feel that I'm courageous in my work, but I'm a free thinker, and I think free thinkers don't give allegiance to anyone or anything, because we all know that you know the victim with some power might become the victimizer. That's the nature of human being, and I think I'm not fond of our species. So if, if, I think evil doesn't belong to anyone. Such an egalitarian. Thing. So in a way, my work is more a reflection on, well, the human condition and wider maybe protest. I think there's constantly a protest in my, in my writing. Let's talk about the story that appears in The Walrus. It's called The Wave. And uh, I think it embodies some of these ideas. You sort of answered some of my questions about it. It's about a character that foretells a natural disaster is there anything you'd like to tell people about that short story or what you were hoping to do with it? I think ultimately this story, beyond the humor and the absurdity of this story, I think uh, I presented characters who deals with life in a very uh, confrontational way. Nature, all the protagonists, they, they push it to, to a place where it becomes almost madness. And it seems like everyone is mad. Everything is mad, including nature itself. And also the character, you know, he's very ambiguous about his own ethnicity. He's critical of it, uh, but at the same time, he wants to save it. (laughs) Rawi Haj's latest collection is Stray Dogs. You can read an excerpt from it in the May issue of The Walrus and at thewalrus.ca. Thank you so much. I'm Jason Herderick, and here's what we've been talking about this week at The Walrus. The blizzard in Manitoba had our slack a buzz, especially because our Justice Fund fellow, J.S. Rutgers, is based out of Manitoba. She is wrapping up her time with us, and we're really looking forward to her story about housing inequality in Winnipeg. Because so many of us are also writers, including children's fiction, nonfiction, and screenplays, we were half intrigued and half vaguely threatened by Twitter news of a Tokyo cafe that basically holds you to your writing deadlines. It's called the Manuscript Writing Cafe, and this is for sure not an endorsement, mostly out of personal fear that someone will make us hit all our deadlines. This is a week of religious holidays and observances, from Ramadan to Easter to Vaisakhi. And not only does much of the Walrus partake, but we got to reshare some of our great archival pieces as a bit of our own celebration. As always, the links for all these articles can be found in the show notes for this episode.
Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of The Deep Dive. It was produced by Sheena Rossiter and myself, and Simran Singh helped me edit this episode. Thanks so much to Rowie Hodge for joining us this week and to Jessica Johnson for doing the interview. Music for this podcast is provided by Audio Jungle. Our theme song is This Podcast Theme by N Plus Music. Additional music is Stay Cool by Loops Lab and Podcast Intro by N Plus Music, Floating Cities by David McLeod, and Oh My by Patrick Patrickios. Don't forget to subscribe to The Deep Dive from The Walrus on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review and rating. It really helps people find the podcast. See you next week when we take our next deep dive. Thank you.